there was a cute little trigger warning in this saga. When I was reading it out to my best friend, she was like, babe, this whole thing is a trigger warning. <laughs> so we're getting dark in here. Just letting you guys know. All right. It's 1999, a desert storm at the turn of the century. Probably a great indicator for things to come for the rest of our lives. The usual obliterating 40-degree-plus heat replaced with an oppressive blanket of humidity, the sky radiant with an almost ethereal white glow. The kids at school chattering away about how much fun it is to splash around in the park in the rain. But wait, you're not going to be allowed, are you? The precious daughter of the headmistress. No, you must stay at home, lest mischief befall thee. This was the first time you gave in to the stirrings of defiance. Grabbing her tiny three-year-old fist, you made your way to the park after school with all the steely determination you could muster. But, but mom said, stay home, play in garden, she insisted. You slipped into the serpent's role a bit too easily, offering up the forbidden apple that is the opportunity to experience rain, actually rebelling in it for the first time ever. Besides, your best friend lived right next to the park. You'll both just go to her house if it gets bad. Oh, it was glorious. The first pitter-patter on your skin, a light breeze ruffling your hair, running along with the other kids catching raindrops in your mouth, swinging higher and higher as the wind picked up and the raindrops doubled in size. She didn't feel it, though, as she tugged on your arm. Let's go home now. You didn't listen. You were having too much fun. Suddenly, there was a break in the cheer. A shriek punctured through the festivities as someone pointed at the sky and your necks dutifully craned upwards in unison. Hurtling towards the park were pitch black clouds of dust and debris, gorging the once white brilliance of the sky with ferocity. The distant din of the wind at breakneck speeds drowning out the children's screams as they ran for shelter. The best friend's dad came running, scooped her up and left the both of you there. Rooted to the spot, staring at the black behemoth in terror as it consumed everything in its wake. And then it was upon you. The wind, sand, rain, lashing at your tiny forms as you finally sprang into flight mode and dragged her to the park's exit. But you were no match for the storm as it raged faster and faster, the wind whipping you down to the grass. You clutched the tufts with one hand to hang on for dear life. And then you felt it your other arm raised against your will as she screamed. She was suspended, her tiny fingers almost slipping out of your hand as the darkness howled at you, tearing your little sister away one small, excruciating centimeter at a time as the grass slowly gave. Those seconds seemed like eternity. It was the first time you thought you'd lost her. We survived, though. The rest of it is flashes. These two guardian angels pushing a pram, descending upon us, beams cutting through the dark, turning out to be headlights coming from our father's military jeep as he screamed himself hoarse, calling out for us. The ashen face of our mother as she turned her head from the prayer mat when we reached home. There were lots of casualties. Trigger warning. Children's bodies were found smashed in irrigation canals. The neighbor's kid's lifeless body was found face down in the community pool. We never went to that pool again. It's 2002. This time it was you who was suspended, flung, 
savoring the infinite space between launch and levitation until the impact. The crunch of the tarmac, that pause in the serendipity when you got a look at her terrified face, her mouth agape in a cry that never reached your ears. The school bus sped away, completely unaware of the fact that it was lacking a passenger who had taken it upon themselves to parkour in the midst of one of the most dangerous road traffic areas in the world. That's not how she saw it, though. The recklessness of that action, the deliberate sense of abandon. Did she know you survived? The answer to that barely came into being as the consequences of your frankly, bizarrely intentioned leap from the school bus brought you back to Earth. A couple of vehicles screeched to a frustrating halt, mere inches from your Harry Potter-themed backpack, bulging with books that clearly outweighed your nine-year-old stature. Horns, indignified at being encumbered by an overgrown toddler, followed. Must you be swatted amongst the borderline Mad Max traffic of Karachi? You recovered mid-roll from the jump from the speeding bus. It was a dare, you reassured the teachers running into the entrance of the school. They were aghast at what had just occurred, but grateful there were no casualties. Calls to parents, both toiling away at work, followed. She still didn't know, did she, that you survived? Sadly, that was the last thing on your mind at the moment. The jubilation of a prepubescent adrenaline junkie was so powerful, it blocked out all other thought. The only fuck you gave in that stream of consciousness was, why did you live? Until you got home. Mid-swagger, as you walked through the door, a torpedo of dark blonde hair and the biggest teary eyes you've ever seen hit you in the midriff. As she hung on and sobbed with relief, you got your answer then. The swagger melting off as you hugged her back. This was the first time she realized you wanted to be lost. It's 2020. You're head over heels in love. Finally, this gorgeous femme envy, enveloped in a heady cloud of Aesop's Marrakesh, has you in the palm of their hand. It's a classic U-Haul rite of passage. You break the news to your parents, gushing with joy. Caught up in the excitement, you forget how this news might be received. You forget just because they're progressive doesn't mean they're free from societal prejudices. You forget the one fucking time back home when she told you, if you hurt my parents, I will never talk to you again. See, they were her parents now. You'd left them all behind, abandoned them in the self-righteous crusade to dream, to film, to love without any consideration for the overwhelmingly collectivist culture you hail from. In that heady exhilaration, you had become completely oblivious to the social shackles that bind them, that are legitimate cause for cultures where coming out isn't a thing. It didn't go well. This was the time you actually lost her. It's 2021. Months and months of endless lockdown purgatory, not to be confused with the deep-fried monstrosity on the corner of Chapel, have wreaked havoc upon your mental health. She slowly started to forgive you. There are breaks in the suffocating lull of a life without her in your corner. Nobody puts Rafo in the corner. She sees you slipping away from life again. You're past the point of hiding the apathy that has poisoned your every waking moment. It's the eve of your 28th birthday. You're, you've been heavily contemplating joining the 27 Club because what's the fucking point anymore? It's 7.45 p.m. Your COVID test from the morning has just come back negative. 
You pull on your docks, sprint to Dan Murphy's to grab some supplies. It closes at 8 p.m. thanks to the curfew. Um, so obviously the timing had a miraculous glimmer to it. It's 11 p.m. and she calls. All good cheer and joy. Thanks to the aforementioned supplies, you can almost pretend that you're not going to do what you were going to do. She sees right through it. Stifling the heartbreak from knowing that this time she will be losing you, the pretend dance you were performing through the hollow medium, that is video calling, came undone. There was laughter, there were tears, rehashed memories from over the years, and you both promised to hold on and never let go. <laughs> <laughs>